welcome to episode 12, it's hard to believe it's episode 12, of Rory and Dara's Research and Development. That was um, Chariots of Fire by Vangelis. Mm-hmm. And if you're new to the show, like most people are, I would say, because most people wouldn't tune in a second time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you're new to the show, what we aim to do is research a topic for a period of time and then discuss it and develop it here on our show. Rory, I'm going to ask you the same question I always do. How was your week? My week? Yeah. yeah my week was actually, it was quite quiet this week. I, I, I was very happy with that. As the semester's winding to a close, you know, less and less kind of assignments due, everything like that. It's been good. It's been nice and quiet. It's been relaxing um, in contrast to most other yes. weeks. Yes. How about yourself? My week was very good. It was very good up until today. I was sitting at my computer. Oh. Uploading a Blackboard assignment. Uh-oh. And I have it finished. Uploaded right. it. Brilliant. Literally, just as I'm about to take a break, I get about five notifications on Blackboard. Five new marked items due for next Friday. So next Friday is going to be... That's the battle round. Gee whiz. A lot. That's I'm mental. winding up. That, I'm sorry to hear. I know. Actually, I, know, I did have... I, I just... As you were saying that there about having trouble with the Blackboard... In essence, Blackboard saved me by having a slight delay. Yeah. Because last night, I put up a sticky note saying I had an MCQ due. I'm not going to say for which subject, because maybe the lecturer is listening and I don't want to give away my secrets. But uh, I I had a sticky note up. And basically, if I have a sticky note up, I always do what the sticky note says until I bin it, right? And for some reason, first time this year, I forgot to do what was on the sticky note. I didn't do my MCQ. But luckily... I had, I had luck on my side, I had, I had whatever on my side, whatever deity you want to believe in. I was on my side this morning, guys, yes. because I woke up at around 8.50, right? And naturally, I just went on my phone, uh, because I know I'm a bit of a techno. Uh, same, same. <laughs> the phone is my hand. Exactly. It's, a, it's an addiction. It's an addiction. I admit it. First step. First step. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I opened a text message. Well, it was a Snapchat message from... A digital message. A digital message. There we go. And it and it was from my friend Ben. And he was explaining to me how he just managed to get his assignment in. Just in time before the deadline. And then I thought to myself. I'm very lucky in the fact that I normally have my assignments in before. Well before the deadline. And then I jumped out of bed and literally sprinted to my computer as I realised I had this done. So uh, the MCQ was supposed to last for five minutes. I had literally... I literally managed to get on the computer, boot it up at 8.55. The deadline's at 9 a.m. Oh, wow. So I had the five minutes to do it. And, oh, my gosh. I, I, I started off my day on an adrenaline high. But you I got it done. I, ha- I got it done, but I don't think I've come down from that adrenaline high. So if you hear my heart just beating throughout the show and the, <laughs> the quiet bits, the, <laughs> the lulls, that's why. we <laughs> <laughs> added a few effects. So. <laughs> There you go, yeah. Actually, that, that's how my week went. Um, a good start. A great start, a great start. Uh, what's your topic for today, actually? I'm talking about the Roman Empire, but more specifically, the Roman emperors. And when I was thinking about a song to do, about five minutes before we started the show, <laughs> I said to Rory, I'm going to play Walk Like an Egyptian. <laughs> and he said, what? Wouldn't it be better to save it for like an Egyptian team week? And I said... No, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> then I thought about it again. <laughs> I realised it didn't make any sense. <laughs> it was very funny. It was funny though. Oh was my funny. gosh! But actually, the Rome, the Romans, the Romans uh, did have 
most of Egypt when you know Cleopatra. They had a lot of uh, Egypt, yeah, yeah, and a lot of kind of Tunisia, Carthage. I yes. think those areas they were everywhere. Really, they, they had a really great time. Well, they arrived here, but that's actually we're going to get onto that in the second half of the show. Uh, we so will. We will. We will. Um, but the first half of the show, I'm talking about feats of human endurance, actually. Like, who can listen to the show for the longest amount of time? Oh, yes. If you're the most concurrent listener of Roaring Dara's research and development, you deserve uh, a medal. <laughs> I'll give you a snack box. A snack box, yeah. You get in contact with us, showing the proof. Yeah, and we'll sort you out with the <laughs> we'll snack box. We'll sort you out with the snack box. I like that. I like that. But yeah. So today I'm talking about feats of human endurance and I'm going to be talking about three feats in particular. Yes, Dara's counting out three on his fingers for those at home uh, listening. <laughs> and uh, so the three feats are 264 hours without sleep, Ooh. which equates to around 11 days. Um, and how this was, uh, how this occurred and yeah. how this record was broken, etc. Uh, the longest tennis match in history, which my mother was actually present at. Uh, she she was at that tennis Would match. Would that be okay? I I, I might spoil it. That yeah, be John Isner. Yes. Against uh, Kevin Anderson. No. Oh, Mahot. Mahot. Yes. Oh, they played. They played a, a game, Isner against Anderson, and that went on for a very long time as well. It did. It did an exceptionally long time. But this one actually went on longer, and uh, not spoil anything, but may have been the catalyst for legislation in Wimbledon to be oh, put in yes, place. Oh yes, yes. Uh, and then my final feat that I'll be talking about today uh, is, it's, it's a weird one, so I'm going to say it to you and it's going to confuse you, but I'm going to come back to it and it's going to make more sense of yes. it, uh, but 15 or 70 years without food or water. Oh wow. Mm, it's, it's an interesting one, it's a, it's a real uh, beard scratcher. Uh. It would be, I'm scratching my <laughs> virtual beard here. <laughs> Hopefully our audience are as well. Yeah. We, we don't discriminate against gin gingers. <laughs> oh my goodness, genders. Uh, so whether you're a bearded woman or a bearded man, we don't care. As I was saying, we're going to go straight in with the 264 hours without sleep. Um, so let me set the scene, Dara. Woo! Uh, way back in 1965, a high school student named Randy Gardner under the supervision of the Stanford University researchers, set a record that has not been touched to this day for multiple reasons. Uh, he stayed awake without the use of stimulants for just over 11 straight days. Wow. Isn't that mental? But you'll notice that I said the Stanford University. Um, and they have a history of doing like cruel kind of experiments. Weird and unusual. Maybe not cruel is the right word, but... Uh, I think another day I'll definitely try and research the Stanford prison experience. That's very interesting It, as well. it, it yeah. is, it is. Uh, but that's a entirely different kettle of fish. Um, so, Randy Gardner um, still holds the record for the longest uh, a human being has gone without sleep. Uh, despite a couple of claims uh, saying that they beat the record in subsequent years, uh, none of them are recognised by the Guinness Book of World Records, or, or Guinness. Um, but... Guinness have also subsequently taken this record out of the book that they publish every year because the findings of this, and uh, as I go through it, I'll um, describe it a bit more. Um, actually, uh, literally the next thing I touch on are the health effects. They didn't want people putting themselves through anything yeah. like this because it can be quite detrimental. It can be quite detrimental. But as I said, um, Gardner's experiment was there to demonstrate the, the effects that extreme sleep deprivation had on people. 
And the findings actually found that it had little effect um, on your... It's weird because the way that the, the actual report was written, they, they say there's little effect. But as I get into it, you'll realise it had massive effects. Massive effects. As you would imagine. Long term or short term? Well, the report contains a lot of short term yeah. kind of uh, uh, different uh, effects. But then Gardner in um, interviews since basically came out and said that he's had insomnia. Oh wow! Like he he's suffered, but it's it's not constant insomnia like most people would have. You know where it's like a thing you're battling with every single night, kind of thing, trying to get to sleep. He 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 gets it in um, part in bursts. bursts. Yeah. Thank you. That's the word. Uh, in bursts, and uh, he'll find that he can barely sleep for like a week. Like you'll get I don't know, like seven hours, an hour sleep each night. Yeah. For a week, but then go straight back to normal sleep, which. As I'll get into, mirrors a lot of how he recovered from this experiment. But anyway, so Gardner's in, he's been he's been kept awake, and the primary researcher was a man called William Dem uh, Demet Dem Demond, sorry, and he kind of monitored the old Randy Gardner. He, he was keeping him, he was making sure he wasn't gonna die. Yeah. Because up until this point. No one knew what would happen this if you stayed up. New, yeah, like exactly. ground, really. Absolutely, yeah. like the the. But there have been sleep researchers at the Stanford University, but they hadn't basically been able to get the funding to do an experiment like this. And would like this. this have needed government approval? Um, I actually don't know one hundred percent. If it were to be published in a scientific journal, it would need to meet some criteria. But basically, if you have the funding and people are willing to take part in an experiment yeah. you can you can do it um if he if he ended up dying i'd say there would be legal ramifications yeah. for the scientists involved but i wouldn't be 100 percent certain on the american legislation around experimentation yes. uh, sleep uh, kind of experiments yeah. but yeah so they decided to have ryan stay up and they kept him kind of awake by continuously trying to talk to him and you know first couple of days he could string sentences together he could talk much like you and i yeah. are doing right now but then it was kind of getting to the end of day seven uh, i think i said week there day days i should add yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would not have been able to go what 11 weeks without wow. sleep uh, but anyway uh, around day seven that he started to slur his words he started to, like properly slur his words up until this point he'd stop mid-sentence be a bit confused but be able to finish the sentence later but right now he's pro he sounds like a drunk man yeah. by day seven. Um, and it, it only kind of deteriorated, his condition deteriorated from there. Um, uh, however, on day 10 of this experiment, he actually managed to beat this uh, researcher, William Demnant, uh, in a game of ping, uh, not ping pong, pinball. Wow. Yeah, which is quite impressive. If, yeah. if, if Demnant, uh, Demnant, sorry, uh, is fully capable of you know moving everything yeah. I, I don't know if he has any ailments or anything like that that would i don't know stop him from winning a game of pinball but this man who'd gone 10 days without sleep managed to do it and he is is his motor functions are slowly kind of you know gr grinding to a halt like he, all he wants to do is sit he just wants to sit and stare and um they kind of described him as like a husk of a man yeah 
he, he especially after day eight. Uh, sorry, I should add. It wasn't just he comes in. They're like, oh, this this lad, this, this fella. Yeah. <laughs> and so basically, the the kind of test to judge his mental state that they had continuously done throughout the experiment was a numerical test where he basically he started at a hundred, and then he had to continuously subtract seven. Okay. Right, and on day eleven, uh, the final day of the experiment he started with the 100 as you can imagine you know went to 93 down so on so so uh, uh, but he stopped at 65 yeah um and which is very early i think it's five uh five yeah, subtractions yeah. um in um, and he was asked why he had stopped and randy gardner replied that he had forgotten what he was doing so in in the process of, of trying doing to it, he just forgot he what forgot he was what doing he was, I think that's scary. Yeah. I think that's very scary. scary. So that kind of brought an end once he started forgetting what he was doing, an end to the experiment. They yeah. thought if we go any further, we feel that there could be ramifications um, that long term. Long term, yeah. exactly. So um, on the on his final day, uh, he he spoke at a press conference, and he slurred and he stumbled over his word words. Uh, but in general, he, he appeared to be in excellent health because yeah. he still ate everything like that. And he was quoted as saying, quote, I wanted to prove that bad things didn't happen if you went without sleep, unquote, right? So that's what he, he, he set out to do. So then they allowed him to sleep. So he fell asleep and he, he slept for 14 hours. And then Good he woke. Sleep. Yeah, it, it was a great sleep. But then he woke up and he stayed awake for, I think it was 12 hours. Yeah. Um, I fell back to sleep and he slept for 10 more hours. And then they continued to monitor his sleeping patterns to make sure that, you know, he wasn't damaged yeah. in any way. Um, I believe they tested him, you know, first three days, then after a week, then after three weeks, yeah. then after six weeks, then after 12 weeks. And the findings of the, the report was that there were no long-term effects on Randy, right? Okay. However, as I said at the beginning, turns out that he now does suffer with some form of insomnia which i don't know maybe is a kind of pointer not to stay up yeah, for exactly, 11 exactly. days straight so yeah that was randy gardner and the stanford sleeping experience. very interesting it was really really interesting um but i don't know what kind of scientific breakthrough that brain like yeah what, what was the point really didn't really prove anything it was more at a to test how far you could go rather than exactly. find something out it would it's almost like a marathon yeah you know a marathon is yeah. testing yourself your mental capability like can you push through pain exactly. etc um but yeah I, I i do wonder what the scientific kind of yeah it, it's strange it's strange anyway the next one is another feat of human endurance as, as i'd like to continue that theme uh, <laughs> and it was the longest tennis match in history oh wow yeah um, so Eisner uh, and Mahut um, uh, match at the 2020, uh, 2010, sorry, not 2020, mm. this is 10 years ago, uh, Wimbledon Championship. It uh, was the longest match in tennis history. Uh, it was a first round men's singles match in which the American 23rd seed, uh, John Eisner, played French qualifier Nicolas Mahut, right? So, that, you know, it should be... Yeah, Isner should really win. Really win, yeah. yeah um, it, it should be no contest, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, and that's no insult to Mahat at all. Yeah. But that's not an insult, that's a fact of life. A um, fact of life. 
Uh, so the Keep match. Oh, sorry. Exactly. Exactly. Keeping it real. Keep your expectations. <laughs> in check. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh goodness. So the match began at six thirteen p.m. on Tuesday, twenty second of June, twenty ten, on Court eighteen at Wimbledon. I've actually never been to Wimbledon. Have you? I haven't. I've been to Wimbledon, but yes. I haven't been to the championships. The championships. Yeah, I would love to go one day. Yeah, it would be cool. It may be not a very popular belief, but I actually really do enjoy tennis. Oh, I love tennis as I well. I think it's class. Yeah. I really do. And I love Roger Federer. People are Djokovic fanboys or, I don't know, Andy Murray. Are there many Andy and, Murray fanboys? Uh, I'm not one I knew. No, and Nadal. Yeah. Uh, but personally, I think Roger Federer is just the peak yeah, of tennis. Oh, he like is he brilliant. is just amazing to watch. But sorry, that that's a bit of a tangent. We'll try we'll try I have a lot to get to, so I'm gonna try and keep the tangents, you know, kinda to a minimum. To uh, circles. Exactly, exactly. Um so the match was actually halted on its first day at around nine oh seven PM uh, due to fading light. Um and the the play was suspended just before the fifth set. Um so it was coming to an end and they, they had were to equal, pause obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They kind of just said, "All right, that we we're not li- we're literally not going to be able to see you. We're going to come back tomorrow." Yeah. And, and that's actually, it's not a regular occurrence. I wouldn't say it's a regular occurrence, but it's not something that's uncommon. Yeah, I think oh, I've be... heard of that exactly. happening. Exactly. And yeah. um, so, the match then resumed on the Wednesday, the twenty third of June, the next day. Yeah. At two o five p.m., which you'd think, if the problem before was fading light at. Um, nine. Nine. You'd think that you'd start it a bit earlier in the day. Yeah. Um, but the the record for the longest match was in fact broken on this day at five forty five p.m. So it was three hours. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Um. So the light faded again, and so play was suspended. Um. Once again at nine o nine p.m. Two minutes after you know the yeah. previous day was it? Well, not two minutes. Uh, but you know, like two minutes later than the previous day was brought to a halt. Um. And the the final set. Uh, was tied at 59 games all. Wow. That's mental. 59. 59 games. Like, wow. That's mental. I, I, I really like 118 it. altogether. Yeah. Wow. It's mental. Uh, so play resumed at 3.40pm uh, the next day, and Eisner won at 4.47pm, uh, the final set having lasted eight hours. And eight hours. Wow. And just to put it in perspective, that final set alone... Broke the record for the previous record holder of the longest tennis match. That's unbelievable. So literally one of their sets broke that yeah. record anyway. So in total, the match took 11 hours, 5 minutes uh, of play over 3 days. With a final score of 6, 4, 3, 6, 6, 7, 7, 9, uh, 7, 6 and 7, 3. Uh, for a total of 70 to 68. Right? Wow. Uh, uh, 183 games in total. Uh, and it remains to be the longest tennis match in Wimbledon history, let alone tennis history. Unbelievable. Um, and it will stay this way yeah. for forever, basically. It has been cemented as the longest match in history, and it will forever be the longest match in history. Because after this, basically all major tournaments, except for the French Open, uh, came out and created legislation that... Or legislation, I don't think you could call yeah, it legislation. Rules. Rules, anyway. Um, that after the fifth set, uh, if the fifth set is tied in a men's singles match or the third set for a women women's single or doubles match and um, uh, that there would be a tiebreaker basically tiebreaker yeah, yeah exactly exactly so immediately after the match uh, both players and the umpire were presented with a crystal bowl and champagne flutes uh, by uh, 
two adjudicators yeah. that, you know that, that that came onto the pitch and or pitch court and presented it to them and and it was all good everyone was in good spirits but naturally both the athletes tired. were incredibly tired they were both interviewed after the match and you could see that they were very tired yeah you know may, and maybe not as tired as randy gardner <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 maybe not uh, but eisner won i should yeah. i should I, I i think i said that i was he uh, knocked out in the next match well then? yes so the, the 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 subsequent schedules for um eisner was that he uh went to the second round and his match was delayed and he was playing a man by timo de Baker, baker um and he lost um and but all throughout the match he basically had to keep getting massages by a masseuse to keep his you know yeah. neck i believe and his elbow everything just moving because he played for such a long time such the previous time. couple of days yeah. um and then he was interviewed after being knocked out and he basically said i am doing everything but playing tennis for the next year yeah, yeah. he needed a break yeah. and naturally if you play anything for that long you'd need a break oh yeah um, so yeah, that Very brings a close to the longest. He practically match. played all the games he could in Wimbledon, like if he went to the final in the fifth set. Exactly, exactly. He played. Uh, it's mental because what two hours is probably the average length. Well, if he if he was to go through pretty quickly, yeah. Yes. Two yeah. hours. Yeah. Two hours. Um. So yeah, Eisner and Mahos just excellent soldiers. Men, yeah. Soldiers of absolutely, tennis. absolutely. Um. So that brings us on to this kind of weird one yes and i'll put it in because i found it incredibly interesting but i can understand why there are skeptics and everything like that i too don't fully believe and maybe that is very controversial and if it is i i apologize in advance because this is a religious man who who claims all these things in india and um, but he is this the guy Okay, okay, is this the guy? Because there's a, a religious guy in India as well, and he's kept his hand like this for like 50 years. Now, uh, obviously, you can't see, see this, yeah. <laughs> but basically, like above his head. Yes, yeah, it's kind of like a snake. And it's turned like yeah. black. It's turned. Yeah, yeah. Oh my from, goodness. From uh, basically just the blood's not getting up there. Holy but he's God. kept it like that. Well, this guy is slightly different to that. Okay. Um, his name is actually. Uh, Excuse the pronunciation. Um, you know, I, I've tried my best. Uh, Pralad Yani, right? Um, and he actually died this year, which is quite sad. Um, but by all accounts, he should have died much sooner. Yeah. If if it's true, and I, I, maybe I should remind you of what he is claiming. He he claims that he went seventy years without food. Or seventy water. years. Seventy years, which is mental. He he was ninety when he died, but. He went 70 years without food or water. Wow. Um, and he was an Indian uh, Breatharian monk. Um, so, you know, re religious, I believe. Yes. And, and I just, if, if, I don't know, it's part of the religion. I don't want to besmirch his name or anything like that. But it, it's incredible if he really has managed to achieve this, right? Um, so basically, he claimed to have lived without food or water since 1940, which is mental. Um, and he said that, kind of his substitute for all these supplements uh was uh this goddess called amba yeah and she sustained him oh wow yeah which is interesting well, there is a religious background exactly yeah. and, and i know i'm skeptical and i really hate saying that i am uh, i i i think that it, it's incredible still what he does achieve what he is scientifically oh, being sure. noted for sure and um, so the this man basically uh 
Prof Lad Yanni. Um, I'm going to call him Yanni just for the, the rest of this, yeah. just because I find pronouncing his first name uh, a bit difficult. Uh, so Yanni um, knew that, obviously, much like myself, there would be sceptics on about his claims that he'd went 70 years without food and water. So he agreed to two observations um, w that would be conducted uh, to basically make sure that he was going without food or uh, uh, drink. Uh, in 2003 and one in 2010 um, and both involve a doctor called excuse the pronunciation once again Dr. Sudhir Sah uh, right um, and he was a neurologist at the Stirling Hospital in Ahmedabad okay, uh, in India yeah. um, and he's, he, he studied so the, he, his specialty basically was pe pe were people who claimed to have exceptional ability okay so he was like because he's a neurologist, obviously he's going to look at the the brain. Yes, but yes. not just the brain, like the actual, like the head of the individual as mm. well. Well, all their physical yeah. capabilities and everything like. Yeah. I think uh, a kind of comparison to maybe a pop culture icon, like yeah. Nick Fury or something. Yeah, I yeah, don't know, exactly. Gathering all these yeah. superhuman people and being like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so he conducted these um, experiments, and in both cases, uh, the investigators confirmed. Yanni's ability to survive healthily without food and water during the testing periods. Wow. Although neither study or, uh, was submitted to a scientific journal. Okay. And this is where my doubt comes into play. Because if these were, if these studies both were submitted to a scientific journal, this means that they abided by certain rules and this can be replicated, basically. Yeah. But the fact that they didn't submit it to a scientific journal, even though something like this, you've had a lad basically stay away for 11 days. Yeah. And that's submitted to a scientific journal. Now, now this guy is claiming that he's went 70 years without food or water and this experiment to confirm his claims is not submitted or have not been submitted to a scientific journal. It brings up doubts. Oh, it does. It does, bring it does up for doubts. sure. Um, but the first investigation was done in 2003 um, in the Stirling Hospital in India. Um, and uh, Yanni was observed for 10 days. Uh, he stayed in a sealed room uh, and doctors said that he passed no urine or uh, stool samples uh, stool samples or just, uh, just stool, in general uh, yeah. uh, during the observation wow so he but they also said that urine appeared to form in his bladder but then just disappeared so he's self-sufficient exactly it was this is, I, I don't want to get vulgar or crude yeah. but um it basically was like absorbing back into him because yeah. they had no other way to explain it. Yeah. Um, because it was just disappearing and he wasn't going to the bathroom. Um, so the, a hospital spokesperson said that Yanni was physically normal, but noted that a hole in his palate was an abnormal condition. So, uh, you know, that, that's, I don't know. That, yeah. that could explain some of the... The abnormalities. Exactly, exactly. But it's not something concrete to pin it all on. So the, the fact that Yanni's weight also drops during this initial 10-day period has cast more doubts that he couldn't go indefinitely without food. Yes. Uh, because obviously, if you can go indefinitely without food, you shouldn't, drop weight. You shouldn't drop weight. You, like your weight should not be dropping. Like if, if you're, I don't know, maybe, especially for someone who probably wasn't going without food or water uh, for long periods of time, if not for 70 years, maybe he's, would we say 60 kilograms? Yes. 60, 70 kilograms? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and he should not have dropped below no. either of those. Anyway, he does. Uh, but then a second experiment was done on the 22nd of April 
uh, until the 6th of May in 2010 in the same hospital, Sterling uh, Hospital in Ahmedabad. Uh, excuse the pronunciation once again. Um, but this time, it wasn't just done by uh, the, the previous doctor. Um, it was also done um, by... So Sudhir, sorry, Saad, the, the previous yeah. doctor, basically asked if he could bring in the military. The okay. Indian, uh, the Indian Defence Institute of Psychology, uh, Sociology and Allied Sciences, DIPAS, right? Okay. So it's, I don't know, it's basically the scientific branch of the Indian military. Yeah. Um, and they were brought in and they did the exact same experiment, sealed them in a room and um, didn't give them food or water. Yeah. Which you'd think is quite cruel, maybe torture. Very cruel. Um, um, but he did it this time for 15 days. Wow. Which is even longer. Um, he did not go to the toilet again um, and all medical tests that were performed on Yanni uh, reported back as normal so wow. whether he went 70 years without food or water um, he's managed to go 15 days 15 days and then consecutively 10 days, yeah. exactly um, uh, the doctors reported that although the amount of liquid in Yanni's bladder fluctuated um, that he didn't use the bathroom well wow. they literally they still to this day can't explain that because i can when your bladder's full you go to the bathroom yeah that's a cycle that everyone goes through their entire life yeah you, you, that's putting your hand up in the middle of an exam <laughs> can i use the bathroom? exactly exactly yeah. uh, yes you can okay. uh, <laughs> we'll take a brief pause uh, <laughs> so yeah that was kind of the the end of uh yanni well it wasn't the end of yanni sad uh, oh god not sadly i mean like uh, it wasn't the end for him there. He yeah. actually sadly passed away on the 26th of May this year, 2020. He was 90 um, and he, he was buried in a local temple uh, near to where he worshipped and everything like that. So, yeah, that was the end of Yanni. Um, Very interesting. Yeah, exactly. Who it, knows? Exactly. I, I like to think that he could go 70 years without eating or drinking. Yes. Because as the... Uh, why die pass uh, were brought in was basically because they know military personnel astronauts etc may have to go long periods of time without eating or drinking and they wanted to make sure that if this man could do it that they would be able to basically take their findings and teach i don't know teach their astronauts how to go yes. through the world so yeah that that's the end of uh, yanni i'd say actually out of the three kind of feats of human endurance that i've talked about today i personally like the tennis match the most i i don't know why i like I the just, sleep experiment you like the sleep I experiment do. you do uh any reasons why because i've beaten it <laughs> you've beaten it i have yeah oh really yeah uh when can i ask yesterday yeah, yeah it was yeah. your 12th day yeah, was it 12th day, yeah. ah very good very i'm actually good. doing the show you know haven't slept <laughs> haven't slept oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is what we put ourselves through to get this exactly. show on air <laughs> the research 12 days straight 12 days straight there no you go sleep. Well, I think that brings a close to the first half of our show. Uh, and I believe we're going to listen to a song now. Uh, what song are we going to be listening to, Dad? Crazy by Nars Barkley. Oh, I do love this song. A great song. It's a brilliant song. I hope you enjoy. Please rejoin us after the break. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. Without care 
Welcome back to Rory and Dara's Research and Development, episode 12 on Flirt FM 101.3. You were just listening to Crazy by Niles Barkley, an absolute tune, an absolute tune I must say. And we're going to welcome you back to the second half of the show with the second topic. Dara, you're going to be taking us through the second topic. And what do you have in store for us today? Well, I have been researching the Roman Empire and the Roman Empire. I'll focus more specifically on the Roman emperors. Okay, okay. uh, Because they're really interesting. They are, they are. Very interesting. And they, they, some had very long periods of time where they ruled. And really good. And really great, yeah, they were really great. And then others were useless. Useless and had very short... uh, Fuses. (laughs) Literally. Yes, yes, exactly. um, Yeah, the reason I'm doing this topic is I was in Rome... I would say 11 years ago. Oh. You know, went all the tourist spots. Lovely. The um, Tivoli Fountain, I think. Yes, yes. Also went to the Vatican, mm-hmm. which is really cool. St. Peter's Basilica. Went to, where else did we go? Colosseum. Colosseum, I was going to say. Uh, I've been to, not in Rome, but the leading Torapese as well. Oh, yes. And, oh, the Sistine Chapel. It's beautiful, isn't very it? Very nice. It's very nice. Michelangelo. What a man. What a man. <laughs> Big up my Not man. Not the turtle. 
Actually, quick question. Yeah. Did you watch the Ninja Turtles when you were a kid? Because I never did. I didn't. Yeah. I, did. I couldn't warrant them. I don't think they properly showed the episodes in chronological order here in Ireland. No, just random. I think so. And I think that put me off. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, sorry. There just we go. Tangent. And that concludes. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Don't <laughs> Actually, you worry. If, here's the thing: if our listeners want to inform us more about the Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, write into us uh, at uh, Rory and Dara Podcast at gmail dot com. Um, tell us a little bit about the Ninja Turtles, and we'll read out what you we will. tell us on air. Once I, it's PG. Exactly. Once it's PG, um, so no expletives, please. <laughs> yeah, e- exactly. <laughs> but on with your topic. Then. On with my topic. Well, firstly, I'll just talk about the city of Rome. Lovely. And some quick fire facts. You know, get the creative juices flowing. Boom, bang, bing. Boom, bang, boom. <laughs> so, believe it or not, modern Rome has two hundred and eighty fountains and more than nine hundred churches. Ooh. A lot of buildings. <laughs> Nearly seven hundred thousand euros worth of coins. Are tossed into Rome's now. I said Tivoli. It's actually Trevi, ah, Trevi okay. Fountain each year, and these proceeds are actually donated uh, to help those in need. So it's really nice. That is very nice. So it's like uh, I don't know. You get a wish, but you're also given to charity. Exactly. <laughs> All roads lead to Rome. They don't lead to Letamadi. I think there's a song called "The Four Crossroads That Lead to Letamadi," <laughs> but they don't. They actually lead to Rome. Okay. And the reason I mentioned this is the Romans had built a road network of 53,000 miles by the early 4th century. Massive. Each Roman mile was about 4,800 feet and marked by a milestone. And this gave birth to the saying, all roads lead to Lenomadi. <laughs> the mascot of Rome, you probably know. Yes. Uh, you probably know from the Roman soccer uh, crest. It's actually uh, a she-wolf. Oh. That cared for brothers Romulus and Remus, the mythological founders of Rome. Funnily enough, Rome became the capital city of unified Italy in 1870, taking the title from Florence. Florence, back then, would have been one of the main centres for the Renaissance. Yes. A lot of massive institutes of education were there. And then, um, that's why it was the capital, because even now it's so affluent beautiful part of the oh, world it's amazing you know i've actually I mean? visited yeah and it's, i've been it's there as beautiful. well beautiful uh, i think it could be like the capital of culture whilst rome is oh, the real 100%, capital kind of thing. 100%. much like galway was the capital of culture exactly was the capital of culture that's <laughs> oh, for another episode another episode, another episode entirely saint peter's basilica inside the vatican city is the largest church ever constructed when and now were you ever there I was, yes. It is humongous, isn't it? Were you in the catacombs? No, I actually didn't go. That is, uh, it's crazy. Is it? It's it's spooky, it's kind of eerie, but it's very, it's cool. Like, because the the tombs are absolutely massive. Really? Massive. And really nice, you know, the guards are so funny. Yeah, their outfits are... Yeah. Are spectacular. Spectacular, (laughs) to say the least. Really, really cool. But that's, um... Just a bit about Rome, the city of Rome. Lovely. Beautiful city. Beautiful. Beautiful food as well. <laughs> I love the food. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the the Italian, the native Italian cuisine, especially when you're there. Oh, you're the actually, street food even. Oh, it's just beautiful. 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 Joe, you know who wasn't beautiful though? Oh. Tiberius. Oh. He ruled 
from uh, 14 AD to 37 AD. Okay. Okay, and he was the successor to Augustus. And I always liked Augustus because he was, or sorry, the month of August yes. was named after him, him. Augustus, and yeah. I was born in the month of August. I won't say my uh, my birthday because then you'll figure out my PPS number. <laughs> yeah, they'll start. And then they'll just start piecing it together. Imagine if we've released so much information about ourselves online and on Flirt FM that that people can actually just piece together. Could you that. imagine? <laughs> that would be mental. So yeah, if you actually do have all that detail on us, email us at roaringdirepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> send it out into us before you send it out to the world. Exactly. But anyways, Tiberius. What was his downfall was that he was really, he was a bit like Stalin. He was wary of everyone around him. Yes. And Stalin's demise was that he wouldn't accept help from a doctor, I believe, because he was really suspicious of him trying to assassinate him yes much like tiberius's demise like he fell into like basically a state of seclusion away from everyone oh and that reason was he was paranoid really paranoid so he kind of ran away from his responsibilities then exactly, exactly. okay so he was obviously the successor to augustus Though, this is the key point, Augustus did not particularly want him, uh, Tiberius, to succeed him. Okay. And it was only the untimely death of the emperor's grandsons, uh, Lucius and Gaius, and Augustus's decision to exile their younger brother, Agrippa, <laughs> that put Tiberius in line for the imperial throne. So he's never really meant to get it. Sorry, what was the name of the youngest brother again? Lucius. If, if Lucius... I wonder what Lucius had done to peeve off Augustus so much. Because if Augustus doesn't want Tiberius to come yeah. in, then he's like, oh, gosh. And the, the younger brother put in exile, Agrippa. Yeah. That is pretty serious as oh, well, that sorry. he was sent away. Yes, yeah, Agrippa that, that, was the one who was sent. Agrippa was sent away, sorry. But the funny thing is, even though he was very strange, Tiberius was a gifted military commander ah. and respected the authority of the Senate. Now, the Senate was like the Roman government at the time. Mm. However... He had a gloomy and increasingly suspicious outlook that won him very few friends and led him into a bitter dispute with not Agrippa, but Agrippina. Oh, okay. Don't get confused there. Don't Don't get get confused. confused. The widow of his war hero nephew, Germanicus. Now, there's loads of names. I'm literally just pronouncing them as I go along. I don't know how I'm pronouncing them, but the names are kind of irrelevant. The only name you need to remember is Tiberius. Tiberius. And was he the first of his name? Was he like Tiberius the first kind of? He was. He was. He okay, was. Okay. Yeah. And when he sank into this, sank into this morbid suspicion of everyone around him, he retreated to the island of Capri. Okay. And Capri sons. Capri sons. <laughs> Capri sons. But um, I was in Capri. Oh yes. Beautiful oh. island. Very expensive. Oh really? Crazy expensive. Like I got orange juice, glass of orange juice there. <laughs> No better than an innocent smoothie you get in Joyce's. Yeah. About eight euro for glass. Yeah. Eight euro. Crazy. I'll, I'll start making orange juice if it means eight euro. Guys. And <laughs> I'll tell you, Roman Abramovich's boat was there. Oh. And uh, he is the owner of owner Chelsea, Chelsea Football Club. And the actor, George Clooney, was there when we were there as well. My goodness. Yeah, the tour guide told us that. Oh. I don't know if it was just to give him an extra tip or two, but uh, <laughs> he was there. He was, he was giving you some tips for some tips. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but anyways, when he retreated to the island of Capri, he revived the ancient accusation of treason. 
Okay. Okay. So treason, it can be used to like basically it's an easy thing to accuse someone of mm. because you can say oh treason treason just like um queen elizabeth used it to great effect the first yes queen, uh, to kind of get rid of many of her enemies like mm. mary queen of scots and yes. a lot of people like that but anyways he used that basically to sentence to death anyone he suspected of plotting against him okay and, and with a man who's so suspicious of everyone that's very dangerous oh yes oh yes but basically, he lived out his final years. And this is kind of recounted by two Roman historians called Suetonius and Tacitus. Okay? I love Suetonius' name. Suetonius Sorry, is soothing, isn't it? It's cool. Suetonius. But they give us a picture of Tiberius living on Capri as a sort of shadow of an emperor. Okay? Mm. And... Basically, what he used to do, and it's really famous. I visited the point. It's called Tiberius's Drop, I believe. It's a cliff on Capri. And what he used to do is just throw people off the cliff. Because, yes, there is actually a temple situated on the top of the cliff where he was. Uh, it's in ruins, but you can still sort of see the floor plans. And there's some upstanding walls. And basically, anyone he suspected of treason are basically anyone around him because he was so paranoid he'd just throw them off and and would people i guess people would still have to travel to capri just to to, to talk with talk the emperor yeah. oh well they would have to like you have to remember he was still the emperor yeah. of rome it's not like he was sort of sent away and he's the former emperor he was still the emperor but he was ruling from capri but he was in a state of madness really one question I have. Yes. Uh, and I'll pose this to you. Is a lot of Roman emperors were overthrown, people betrayed them, yes. etc. so forth, right? So Tiberius, he's gone off to this island. Yeah. Why did no one kind of stand up and go, well, he's, he's left he's us. Gone. Why don't I stand up? Well, and I think go? it's just because Rome was in such a good place. Like, if okay. you think about it, the demise of the Roman Empire and when it split mm. into the Byzantium Empire as well was about 400 AD yes. or about 300-400 AD this is 3-400 years ago you know you don't have the Franks coming in Truth. so I think it was just because it was in a stable position okay yeah that would make sense you wouldn't want to I don't know you wouldn't want disruptive change if you everything's wouldn't. going nicely now Rome got the next ruler after this by the name of Caligula oh, yes. 37-41 AD and he was crazy he was good cracked up <laughs> but he, he was he was crazy cracked but good crack. he was he's the type of lad you'd see kind of lying in the middle of the pub talking to the wall sort of job <laughs> that fella he's crazy but uh caligula or gaius but we'll call him caligula because that's kind yes. of what he's his name like he's well known for that name yes okay so he's best known for a series of eccentric actions I like this one, such as declaring war on the sea and proclaiming himself a god. Oh, yes, I've heard of yeah, this. Yeah, uh, declaring part war of the, the history. Yeah, this, yes. this is cool. <laughs> so his reign actually began quite promisingly, but after a serious bout of illness, he developed paranoia. Uh -oh. And that led him into alarmingly erratic um, behaviour. And he took particular delight in humiliating the Senate. Oh. Claiming that he could make anyone 
a senator, even his own hearts, okay? And now, uh, this is funny. He actually tried to do it, but modern and popular belief in you know, pop culture is that he actually managed to bring his horse in and okay. got him elected. He didn't, Okay. but he thought about it and he was going to do it. Like, what a man. What a, <laughs> what a man. Imagine if that happened today. A TD is elected or even a, a, someone's nominated for the Shannon. Yeah, you know, and they're yeah, always exact, exactly, exactly. But um, Gosh. what he also did was he didn't he he hated Neptune. Neptune uh, would be see, the yeah. yeah Roman equivalent of Poseidon. Yes, and this is what he told his troops to do. He told his troops to attack the waves with their swords and gather <laughs> seashells as sort of hostages. Hostages. Yeah, and seashells and fish, because he viewed the fish as the soldiers of Neptune and that the uh, seashells were also sort of the protectors of the beach. Mm, that's that's very... He's good crack. Yeah. But, quick question. You know uh, Roman soldiers, yes. weren't they paid in salt? They were. So, if they're by the ocean... Very valuable commodity. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, what m- most of the Roman Empire obviously wasn't next to the ocean. Exactly. So, so sending and salt in Basically, the land. and that's the only way they preserve their food. Yes, yes. But I was going to just ask, you, you know how they're basically stabbing into yeah. the ocean and everything like that? Do you think a few entrepreneurial, you know, kind of soldiers yeah. have gotten those, you know, sticks and just left them out to dry, gather all the salt and have a, you know, a Well, I know Caligula bacon? wouldn't have thought of that. He wouldn't have. No. No. Because I, I guess he didn't like Poseidon. Oh, sorry. He, he Poseidon, didn't like Neptune. Neptune. They, they didn't get along. And this didn't help either. He declared himself a god and used this uh, to establish um, what was, in effect, an absolute or an absolutist monarchy in Rome. Oh. So, obviously, the Roman emperor, he has a lot of power. But the Senate actually has a massive influence on you know the emperor's actions whereas what Caligula did was he said I'm a god I know everything that will happen and everything that has happened I don't need the senate and this is all after he had a bout of sickness but we don't know what we don't know what okay but the sickness brought about the paranoia okay and that's basically what sort of messed him up it was like a snowball effect after exactly. that. Exactly. It kind of just escalated exactly. and escalated. And he, he, he until kind of he's God. <laughs> echoes the behavior of Tiberius. You know, he used yeah. treason to get rid of his eliminate, or to get rid of his enemies. A lot of them were imaginary, of course. So, like, <laughs> I think he had a fish executed for being a spy uh, oh, of. Uh, them fish. Them fish. They're right. slimy. Oh, the damn, like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> But anyways, how someone brought about his downfall was it was his childish taunting of uh, Cassius Chorea, who was a member of the Praetorian Guard that brought Gaius down, or Caligula. Chorea arranged for his assassination at the Palatine Games. Oh. He is supposed to. I like this bit. Caligula said, "You can't kill me because I'm a god. Yeah. I'm an immortal god." But he was actually less immortal than he thought in the end. And the final emperor I would like to speak about. No list is complete without the worst of them all. Oh. Who would that be? Oh gosh. Think uh, about cafes. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of his name. That that blue um, cafe in. Not that it has anything to do with it. 
Oh, he was. He's, uh, he rhymes with Neo because of you, that song. Oh, Leo Varadkar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's mean, that's mean. But oh. so, Nero, Dara. Nero will be the man. He will be the man. We all love to hate him. Okay? We all love to hate him. Mm. He was crazy. Crazy. A whole new level of crazy. But he was also sadistic. He was he was an awful man. Yeah. An awful man. Okay? So basically, contrary to the myth, Nero did not start the great fire of Rome, nor did he so-called fiddle while the city burned. In fact, he actually organized relief work for its victims and started uh, planning the rebuilding of the city. Oh. Whilst the fire is still engulfing. Yeah. So, so, he, so he was already... Rebuilding. He was planning to rebuild the city instead of actually saying, do you know what? I will actually put out this fire myself. Yeah, he needs to prioritise a bit. Very strange. <laughs> Very strange. But um, we'll, we'll go back to the beginning first. So he was, he was a... Actually, a, a competent administrator, and he was aided by some very able men. So we had some tutors that really helped him, um, including his tutor by the name of Seneca, who was a writer. But however, he was also unquestionably a murderer, starting with his stepbrother Britannicus, yes, with whom he was supposed to share power with, and then progressing through his wife Octavia, whom he deserted for his lover. Papaya. Oh, so he killed his wife as well? He killed his wife as well. And oh, gosh. then he had her executed, Papaya, <laughs> on a trumped-up charge of adultery. So he just, he thought killing was fun. Oh, gosh. He, he abused his power. Oh, gosh. He really did. And he actually had his own mo mother murdered as well. Uh, but he, <laughs> the crazy thing is, the first attempt failed. He had her go on a boat. Yeah. It wasn't just a boat though. It was a collapsible boat. Okay? Collapsible. Yeah. And when this went wrong, he had her beaten to death instead. Ah. Uh -huh. He was a really bad, bad man. Nasty. Even like, imagine, like the city is burning and he's already saying, actually, I'd like a bigger house here. I'd like yeah. this. It'll actually, you know, uh, we can redesign the city. Free real estate. Free real estate is <laughs> right. I'm just going to claim it all back now. But he was hated. Not just because of the murders and this, the fire, but he was hated for building this huge, tasteless, golden house complex, which was also known as the Domus Aurea. Okay? And it was a large villa in the ruins of what had been the public area of central Rome. Oh, so he basically is like, yeah, this is mine now. And everyone's just like, hang on a second. Exactly. Everyone's allowed here now, and now it's your house. Exactly. Oh, God. He persecuted Christians in large numbers. Yeah. And he sort of was really childish in his insistence on winning the laurels at the Olympic Games in Greece. <laughs> Whether he actually won or not. It's like that scene in The Dictator. Yes. When he, you know, <laughs> yeah, shoots all the runners, yeah? <laughs> Good old Nero. But he was actually toppled in the end by an army revolt that sunk mm. into a destructive three-way civil war, believe it or not. So that was the end of Nero. You can see pattern. All of these emperors who were bad come to an awful end. Whereas the ones who were 
sort of held in really high regard. They kept their power. They really did. Yes. But I believe the, the, the reason there was an army revolt was because, uh, I'm not sure if it was Nero that brought this policy in. Yeah. But a Ro- each Roman had to spend a certain amount of time in the military. As yes, you know. yes. But uh, they brought in a policy saying that if you could nominate someone else, they could take your place and spend your time in the army yes, instead of you. exactly. So what was happening was the Roman Empire was no longer the Roman Empire. It was full of people who were basically the enemies of Rome. Exactly. Making up their um, uh, their, their army. Yeah. So when, when, how do I say this without using the metaphor that will get us kicked off yeah, the air? Yeah, I know, When I know. everything hit the fan, yeah. um, the, the, the army just turned. Exactly. Uh, and I think... It's a fitting end for it is an a, awful man. An awful, awful man. Awful man. I, I know you said he. Uh, it's proven that he he wasn't playing the yeah. violin yeah. Uh, at the fall of Rome. I I still like to think that image. It's like you know the Titanic's going down, the band playing. Literally, yeah. It's like literally. he's like he's going for it. He's going for it, <laughs> and he's planning away, planning the city. Oh gosh, well I found that very interesting. I'm glad you did, Thank and you likewise did. I found your topic excellent. Thank you. Very I, interesting. I do I do love uh, the, the history of the Roman Empire. I think it's such a fascinating period. Oh, of history. it is. It is. And even though it was built on slavery, which is unacceptable, and you know everything like that, in a way you can admire the administrative side. Oh, you can. The way it was run. Run exactly, especially in a time where communication was very difficult. Yes. And they managed to be very, they managed to basically... They were efficient. Efficient, you know? efficient, exactly. Um, but still, I personally think the Roman Empire, you know, it, it was built on slavery, so you can't yeah. give it that much you credit. You can't, you can't. You cannot. No. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was great. Thank you very much for no your time. No problem, there. no problem. Um, I think that wraps up the show. It does. And as our tradition is emerging, I now need to ask Dara on the spot what song we are playing for the outro song. So Dara, I pose the question... What are we listening to next? We are going to listen to a Christmas song Ooh. because it is uh, coming up to Christmas time. Oh, so we're, we're admitting now that it is Christmas. We are. Okay, we're acknowledging it's Christmas. Have a holly jolly Christmas. Oh, I do like that. Have a holly jolly Christmas. Have Dara. a holly jolly Christmas. Yeah. And I hope our listeners have a holly jolly Christmas as well. They will. Uh, tune in next week where we'll have two new topics. Hopefully no, not two new hosts. <laughs> Yeah, you never know <laughs> you never know uh, but yeah thank you very much for listening tune in next week and we'll see you there bye have a holly jolly Christmas it's the best time of the year now I don't know if there'll be snow but have a cup of cheer have a holly jolly Christmas And when you walk down the street Say hello to friends you know And everyone you meet Oh, the mistletoe is hung Where you can see Somebody waits for you Kiss her once for me Have a holly jolly Christmas and in case you didn't hear Oh, by golly, have a holly jolly Christmas this year
mistletoe is hung where you can see. Somebody waits for you. Kiss her once for me. Have a holly jolly Christmas. And in case you didn't hear, oh, by golly, have a holly. 